I'm mindful that every time a moment such as this comes around in a Unitarian Universalist congregation, I'm reminded exactly why this faith tradition is vitally important in our world. It matters more than some can imagine to have a supportive and accepting church, community, congregation, call it what you will, as an LGBTQ American. It matters for all those who are at the margins of society to see and feel their lives affirmed. It matters to have a place where we, wanderers, worshipers, lovers of leaving, are embraced wherever we are on our journey. To know that dignity will always be freely given. To know that our lived covenants, the promises we make are coming together in right relationship with one another. That the very foundations of who we are as Unitarian Universalists, from our history to our values in this moment, will resoundingly say that you are loved, you are enough, and you are not alone. So how good is it for such a day as this? Now, if I'm being honest with you all, I have forgotten how many times I have witnessed someone coming out to a Unitarian Universalist congregation. I really have, I have forgotten. And I've been there myself. It's why that no matter what, Unitarian Universalism will always be near and dear to me in such an impactful way. For it gives so many people hope when hope is hard to find. Which is why in this moment, in this celebration and affirmation, I want to instead talk to you about English grammar. Now, some of you might go, hold the horses, right? We didn't sign up for that. Get back to talking about being a welcoming congregation, an affirming place. And a few of you, I know who you are, are ecstatic. Finally, a grammar sermon. <laughs> Now, I hope I don't disappoint too much because yes, we will continue to give thanks for a community such as ours that encourages people to be who they are authentically. But I'll also talk very, very briefly about grammar and syntax, vocabulary, etymology, probably not in the way a few of you are hoping. There'll be no Latin dissections today. When I was in seminary, which is how so many preacher stories start, I got to know a lot of different people. Big surprise, right? And I'm not saying that is to conceal some sort of joke. It's true. There was a great diversity amongst us. I got to know even more than I did in college or my own Unitarian Universalist home parish that humanity is a vast and deep well of learning. That also, I don't know everything about humanity and also that I am continually challenged to appreciate difference, that I am called always to love others as they are. Now, when I was starting out in seminary, I would not have said that. I had no room for this mushy love stuff. I just wanted facts, I wanted reason, I wanted rationality. That's who I was at the start of seminary. But through that experience, I got to appreciate and love people ever more deeply and it was hard work. I had never sung in seminary starting out any of the hymns from the Teal Hymnal because my home church pretended didn't exist. 
I got to sing these unfamiliar songs with people who belted them out joyfully while I stuttered through each and every word. I was confronted with pagan systems of belief in seminary I had never heard of. I was good with Wiccans and Druids, but you're telling me there's people who worship Egyptian gods? I was so confronted with a wealth of difference. I also rejoiced in finding myself in a radically queer affirming space every second of the experience. Now, not all Unitarian Universalist seminary entering classes are this way, but mine just happened to be at least 95% LGBTQ. And then there was James, the only straight man. <laughs> Poor James. <laughs> In that, I rekindled a love for what this tradition offers, which is what this is about. Sometimes Unitarian Universalism is very blandly described. It's a place of like-minded people. That's earth shattering. It's a place to discuss things. <laughs> Boy, do I have a committee for you. It's the church of NPR. I'm not a big fan of that one. It's the non-church church, or sometimes all those sentences begin with, we don't. And I really bristle at those because I dream at a Unitarian Universalism that begins our sentences with what we affirm instead of what we reject. I can appreciate those sentences in jest. Many of you have known me as your minister for nearly six years now. I take this seriously to a point. And I don't lift up those labels and statements to shame anyone. I lift them up because I know we can do better. And when I say we, I'm speaking so broadly here. I'm seeing faces of Unitarian Universalists worldwide. I have come to know mine included. And I could go on a tear here, but that would not be helpful or constructive in any way. Instead, I wonder, I really wonder, what does welcome sound like to you? What does wholeness feel like? How is it with the core of who you are when you find healing and hope? I ask you that because those I believe are at the heart of this religious experiment. Welcome, wholeness, healing and hope. I get asked often what a good UU elevator speech would sound like. And my answer is always the same. Respond with the hope that you have discovered in our community. Respond with the healing that you have encountered and respond with welcome and wholeness. That's all you need to share is from the heart. And I don't offer that up in any sort of maudlin way. I don't really do maudlin. I offer it up because indeed behind any of the jokes that I or you share about who we are as a religious people, behind the incredibly ordinary parts of church life, the committees, the potlucks, the cleaning of dishes, the light bulbs and vacuums included, even behind the times where we are really getting it together in the name of justice, which we are, behind all of that, at the very core of who we are, is the beating heart of this tradition. Your heart, my heart, the one belonging to the person in need of hope that is yet to find us. Which brings me back to English grammar and syntax and vocabulary. I became good friends with someone in my last year of seminary. He was a commuter from out of state. We liked all the same nerdy things. We could talk about uh, Star Trek for hours the finer points of Jean-Luc Picard versus Captain Janeway. I learned about his wife and kids. He learned about my new relationship with the person who would eventually become my husband. We got along in a fantastic way. 
And after seminary, as things happen, people drift. They catch glimpses of one another uh, and, and they check in briefly at collegial events, see each other online, especially nowadays. Uh, that's how it was for us. And then he disappeared for a couple years. And not too long ago before this pandemic, at one of our general assemblies, which is a nationwide gathering of Unitarian Universalists, I was catching up with friends in one of those overbearingly large conference center rooms and I noticed someone across the hall that looked familiar. Now, if and when you ever go to a UU General Assembly, there is a point where you're convinced you recognize everyone, that you know everyone, you're best friends with everyone. <laughs> but this was different. This, I was certain, was my friend from seminary I had lost contact with. I approached, I, I said his name exuberantly, and they turned around and smiled. It was an instant reunion of friends, followed by a quick, Hey, Brian, my name is this now, and I use she, her, hers pronouns. I apologize for I didn't know. She had come out as trans two years ago, around the same time she disappeared from view for a bit. And it was okay. And we decided, we caught up. We picked up right where we left off, a reunion of friends. I learned of her adventures, her coming out. We still loved Star Trek. She didn't want me to spoil the new one. And that was that. A simple story of knowing someone and getting to know them again. You've no doubt noticed on some of our little squares here or rectangles or have been in meetings where this occurs or even on the name tags that we had at church before the great disruption of our time, there's the listing of pronouns or the invitation to share them with a group when you're checking in. When I started in ministry, first year of seminary, this was slowly becoming the practice. And at first it baffled me. It baffled me even more when I started hearing some of the unique pronouns people had. Z, zir, zirs, z, zem, zir, per, pers, e, m, ers, v, ver, verse, they, them, theirs. I could keep going, the list is long. And it was dizzying at first and I couldn't keep track. Why did we have to add so many new words to our language, I wondered. Isn't our language just fine as it is? Who authorized anyone to create new words in the first place? Eventually I learned with deep intentionality that within what might seem like a trifling conversation over small English words, it was all about moving toward wholeness. That's what that was about. It wasn't about new words or grammar or syntax or what's the root of this word. Those were heady misunderstandings. It was about dignity. It was about affirmation. It was about changing our assumptions of pledging to get to know people. Now, language has broad implications. For example, um, if you go abroad, it's a common joke that if an American asks, how are you? They don't really mean it. It's just how we say hello. But many cultures take it literally and tell you exactly how they are. Our language quickly adapts. It changes, it morphs. And it also quickly adapts to the use of pronouns. Here's an example, a very brief, quick example. Brian is the minister of UUCL. He likes snickerdoodles and he has a Rottweiler. 
in getting to know someone and their preferred pronouns, we are creating welcome within our words. It's taking notice that our language matters and that intentionality and communication can mean a great deal in affirming the person that is in front of us. But even more importantly, it's about breaking down the binaries of Western thought. Our culture likes to live in an either or realm of existence, dark or light, left or right, black or white, evil or good, Republican or Democrat, male or female. But we all know that between dark and light, there is a dazzling array of variants. Between black and white, all the colors are awaiting us. Between evil and good, there is the complicated, the gray areas, the uncertain moments and the bittersweet. Between Republican and Democrat, there is a place called America. And between male and female, this one seems to get the most questions. Oftentimes, the Christian subtext of our culture is lifted up. Male and female, he created him, is what the book of Genesis says to us in the English language. But you need only look to the history of not only our civilization, but indigenous cultures and civilizations far and wide to discover that gender is a vast and wide ocean that our understandings have indeed shifted over time, that there are cultures who to this day affirm not just two genders, but at least three or more. And there are indigenous tribes on our continent on this morning that affirm shifting genders, changing genders, what we would call gender fluidity. The point being, we are at a point in our culture where there is a renewed invitation to radical extravagant welcome, to dig deep into the idea of gender. Now, here's a question for a good, a good amount of you. Have you thought about your gender lately? When was the last time anyone asked you that? It's not about asking you to change but it's about asking you to wrestle with something many of us have never been asked to identify, to wrestle with, or to name. I have always identified as male. Others have identified me as such, but there are those amongst us who have never identified with the binary. Or they're put into one category and learned quickly, or sometimes a whole lifetime later that another gender identity is a part of who they are. This congregation received what is called a welcoming congregation status. Oh, it must be decades ago now. It is a wonderful accomplishment. It means the world to LGBTQ people in our community. But it is time to think about what it looks like to renew our welcome, to renew that status of going through the process again because it has changed. The world we live in is boldly centering the letters on the LGBTQ plus spectrum that, no surprise, are tacked on to the end and have been left out of the discussion for so long. Some might wonder what good it is to identify your pronouns, to, to invite others to share theirs and to honor them. And it comes back to a very simple, clear point. Our words matter. There is so much more to welcoming and affirming someone than just saying hello, though that's a good start. It's about the platinum rule. Treat others as they would want to be treated. But even bigger than that, did you ever imagine a small little word, such as a pronoun, could save someone's life? 
It does. Honoring someone's identity in a world that can still be hostile, sometimes violently. To honor their identity for who they are. That simple utterance of a simple word could be the thing that affirms their life that day. It could show people that we, as a people, Unitarian Universalists, that we mean what we say. That worth and dignity is not just an abstract concept, but a lived practice. And so, until we are together again, and we can put those lovely little colorful stickers we had on our name tags, indicating pronouns, among, among so many other things decorating our name tags, what we have are our squares, <laughs> our rectangles on Zoom. Putting your pronouns in such a space sends a powerful message. It says that you have consciously thought about what gender means to you, but it also indicates to all that you are not just an ally in name, but someone who will advocate for others to be their authentic selves. It comes down to respect and dignity. It comes down to adaptability. Languages change. And we are Unitarian Universalists. I have, you know, I sometimes I have to remind myself that we are always changing and celebrating that. And this is also about modeling the world we want to live in. Beloved community begins with extravagant welcome. And this is but one small, powerful piece of that. Now, I cannot possibly cover everything I want to in one sermon here. <laughs> Our path to renewing our commitment to welcome for our LGBTQ siblings and for all who share our values begins with an acknowledgement. Every time someone feels moved to share who they are with this congregation, and it's been every year I've served as your minister thus far, we have had so many coming outs very publicly with joy and celebration, and that is a delight. Every time that happens, we need to remember that a place such as the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington has a message of hope and affirmation for the world. What we do, even if it seems small, contributes to that message. And so I hope you'll join with me in that journey. I'm the Reverend Brian Chenoweth, and my pronouns are he, him, his. Blessed be. Amen.